Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Jay Longren is the Director of High School Bands and Jazz and Co-Chair of Visual and Performing Arts at Singapore American School. Prior to SAS, he served as Head of Music at Korea International School near Seoul, South Korea, and prior to that, he taught music at the CIPLC in Barcelona, Venezuela. Jay serves on the Board of Trustees of the Association for Music in International Schools, AMIS, pronounced ME. Jay has been heavily involved with ME for the past 10 years. In addition to attending all high school band festivals since 2011, he has presented at ME Music Educator Conferences in Scotland, Thailand, Dubai, Korea, and Hong Kong, served as jazz combo leader at the ME Jazz Festival in Singapore, and is currently on the festival adjudication team for the 2021 Online Solo and Ensemble Festival. Now in his seventh year at SAS, he has recently been appointed to co-chair the Visual and Performing Arts Department at the SAS High School. COVID-19 has brought many challenges to the SAS Performing Arts Department, and Jay has worked closely with his colleagues to continually find creative ways to keep music study and music making alive and well in the SAS school community. This week, it is my pleasure to welcome Jay Longren uh, to the podcast. And uh, just before we started the recording, Jay and I realized that we did a conference together in beautiful, sunny Aberdeen, Scotland, about seven or eight years ago. So we must have bumped into each other, but um, didn't didn't really know each other at that time. But Jay, um, welcome to the podcast. I'm recording this at 8 a.m. New York time and 9 p.m. Singapore time. So I truly appreciate you taking the, the time out of your schedule. Well, thank you so much for the invitation and happy we could make the time zones work out. That's right. So, Jay, I think one of I, I teach at Teachers College, Columbia University, and I've had a fair share of my students over the years go into the international school scene, if you will, or the, the culture mm-hmm. of international schools. And it seems that every one of the students who who goes into the international school kind of uh, market, if you will, they never come back. They they go and they say, oh, I'm going to teach for a year at, a, at an American school in China. And then 30 years later, they're at a different American school somewhere in Europe or something, but they, they just, they, they go and they stay. So before we get into the music tech side of things, I'd love to hear about your path from be, being a music ed major, getting interested in music uh, education, and then ending up at the, uh, the Singapore American School. So if you could trace that arc for us, I'd appreciate it. Well, absolutely. And I, I think I'm definitely an example of that because my, my initial plan was also, you know, I was going to go overseas for two years and then, you know, maybe come back. And I think as many people in my family said, get a real job. And that was 14 years ago. Uh, and <laughs> so here we are. And I uh, also kind of funnily, uh, my cousin 
also, she, she taught uh, for a little bit in China and then moved to Kazakhstan for several years. And now she's in Panama. And so both of us are teaching music overseas, which is kind of fun. Wow. So, um, so for me, uh, I'm originally from uh, rural Minnesota, like very rural Minnesota. My dad's a farmer. Uh, so, you know, I grew up way outside of any sort of town. Uh, but uh, was really fortunate, had a really good music program um, uh, in my, 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 you know, local high school um, and was just really inspired. Uh, my band director went to Luther College uh, and it was one of those, you know, following in the footsteps stories. And that's that's where I ended up. And uh, wait, you have to get you have. Sorry to interrupt you, Jay. You have to give a shout out to your high school. So where did you go to high school? Oh, so I was at Yellow Medicine East High School in uh, Granite Falls, uh, Minnesota. Very, you know, to me, it was, you know, the big city of 3000 people from my, you know, uh, farmstead of three. (laughs) But, you know, um, and and then, of course, moving to Decorah, Iowa, a town of uh, 8000 was was a metropolis at that point. and just had a wonderful, wonderful experience at Luther, uh, great people there. And uh, outside of the music department, I was fortunate in that one of my education professors uh, in his life before becoming a professor, uh, he had taught overseas for like 25 years um, in various you know, uh, pockets around the world and he'd absolutely loved it. Um, and so the other kind of side benefit of that is a bunch of his friends, after he became a professor, they stayed on and they've all, they all became administrators. Uh, and so he, here we had this education professor who was really had this, you know, uh, like uh, love of international teaching with a lot of connections with international school administrators all over the world. And so he kind of made it his life's mission to uh, set up this student teacher program at Luther, where if you were kind of curious about what international teaching was like, he could place you for half of your student teaching time. You could you could uh, apply to and go to international schools. And so my very strange loop of a story is I actually student taught um, in the classroom that I am currently working in. I student oh taught goodness. at Singapore American School, um, and at, was absolutely blown away and and was was kind of, you know, starstruck and awestruck by the program here and was like, oh, one day, if I could ever come back and work here, that would be amazing. Um, and then, like, I mean, I think music teaching in general is a relatively small world. If you think of like Midwest and how, how you know, the people like you can't go down the hallway without meeting five people, you know, and yep. um, like we all know each other. And I think the international uh, teaching world and the international music teaching world is especially small. Um, and so uh, basically having a recommendation from, uh, from SAS got me a lot of interviews, uh, eventually got me a position. Um, I went uh, to uh, Barcelona, Venezuela. Uh, and that particular job, I was the preschool through 12th grade music teacher. Uh, for me, the selling point was they let me teach high school music as a 22 year old, wow. which was not really something that anyone else would really do. But I knew high school was where my passion lot, uh, really was. And so very, very interesting two years in Venezuela. Uh, Chavez was still around and it was very, very different than, you know, rural Minnesota and rural Iowa (laughs) or Singapore, (laughs) really. But some amazing, amazing humans that I am still friends with both on staff there and and, uh, local people that were just amazing people. Um, And, uh, but, you know, generally speaking, like we say, it's like, oh, I'm going to go overseas for two years. And that's because that's generally how long the the contracts are. And, you know, other kind of funny stories of connections. Um, uh, a really good friend of mine uh, at the school in Venezuela had previously taught at a school in Korea, and then she came to Venezuela. 
And all of a sudden there was this job opening in Korea because they wanted to expand their band program. Uh, and uh, I like they knew her. I talked to her about the program or in the school. She said, you should totally apply. I found out later that before they even contacted me for an interview, they called her seeing if I was, you know, worth talking to. And she was very kindly, you know, highly uh, rec uh, recommending of me. Uh, and so, and I still remember it was, it was almost unheard of at the time, but I did my interview over uh, uh, Skype. Uh, and I actually got hired on Skype, which wow. was a very, very uh, new thing at that time. And of course, we had so many so frequent power outages uh, in Venezuela. I had to like warn the people I was interviewing ahead of time, you know, and I've like moved the 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 living room lamp onto the table in my dining room. So I, I sort of looked like a normal person on camera. And I was like, if the power goes out, I promise I'm still interested. It's just that, you know, right. <laughs> I don't have to, I have to wait for the generator to kick in. Um, and so they hired me on Thanksgiving Day, um, and then I moved to Korea. Uh, I was they they had hired me as the sixth through twelfth grade band director for a program that they were basically just starting. Um, it had been you know uh, basically one person doing instrumental music for all of middle school kind of strings and band combined, um, and just had an absolutely wonderful wonderful time. Was there for five years and, and built up the program. Uh, and connected with uh, other local international schools, got involved with AMI, which I'm, I'm highly involved with now. And then one of those other fateful things, I, I got a message very out of the blue, uh, uh, my fifth year there from uh, Brian Hill, who I had student taught with here in Singapore, uh, saying that he was planning to move on uh, and was initially saying, you know, if I had, you know, heard of any job openings and if he could use me as a reference. And I was like, absolutely, you know, we got along exceedingly well, he's a great guy. And I said, you know, do you mind if I apply for your gig? And he said, you know, absolutely. We, we would uh, love to support you. And, and <laughs> there you go. That was that. That was seven years ago. Uh, wow. And here I am in Singapore, uh, so, back I mean, again in, in the exact same office that I started, literally started my very first student teaching day. Very, um, I, I love I, stories <laughs> like that. That is absolutely awesome. I, I do have a, um, a question that is slightly personal, and that is that. Sure. Uh, what is it about international schools that you love? I mean, what? It, why, why do you love it so? I mean, <laughs> you never came back, or and I don't. You know, no one knows what the future holds. But I'd love to. What is it about it that's so exciting, or that makes it, you know, fun? Well, at the 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 ironic first answer that I would always give pre-COVID was travel, right. um, which I I have not been on a plane in more than a year. Yep. Um, Same. <laughs> which, for, which, which for for me and my colleagues here, you know, I, I um, the last three years, bef uh, 2019, 2018, and 2020, I think I was flying over a hundred thousand miles a year, um, yep. on between personal trips and school trips and and this, that, and the other. Um, but it's also, you know, I it was fundamentally, it was I was always interested in wanting to see the world, but I was also really drawn to wanting to be a music teacher, yep. um, and traveling the world is not cheap. Um, and it was kind of one of the only solutions I, I had that was presented to me that would allow me to, to see the broader world and still do the career that I love. Um, and that has still held true even through this very, very crazy year that was 2020 and into 2021. Yeah, so um, the, the, the other question that I think everybody asked, sorry to inter interrupt you, Jay, but the, the other question oh, no that, I'm, that I'm interested in personally is when, when you say you're teaching in an American school, um, what does that mean? What is your student population? Where are they from? Why are they there? Um, you know, mm -hmm. is it, yeah. are they American expats or is it a combination of, you know, kids from Singapore, uh, you know, around the world? 
So um, this this question comes up a lot with uh, with every, with anyone I talk to that's interested in learning more. And kind of the the short answer that I have for them is there's there's I think basically four types of international schools that you would you would come across. And that's maybe a bit of an oversimplification. But if you're coming from the states, I think there are kind of four that would be on your radar. Uh, one would be the DOD schools or the Department of Defense schools, uh, and those are schools that are run by the U.S. government. They're primarily on U.S. military bases, um, and they are to serve. Uh, you know, military personnel and sometimes embassy personnel that are stationed around the world. Right. Uh, and so people that work for DOD schools are government employees. And it's it's basically like a global school district. You can get transferred around. It's the same employer, the same, same, same everything, same, same employee ID number. Uh, and then you'll have um, what are kind of known as host national schools. That would probably describe pretty well the school I was at in Venezuela, uh, where it's a, it's a curriculum that's designed to ideally send students to university in the United States, but the, 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 I would say the big majority of students at the school are from the country that you're in. So we had a right. very large number of Venezuelan students. Uh, we also had, uh, you know, the geologists that worked for, you know, Chevron and ConocoPhillips. Right. Um, it was a, um, but it was, you know, kind of that mix. Uh, and then you'll have uh, the uh, true international schools, which are you know, uh, every major city around the world uh, has expats from all over and they are looking for a, you know, college prep English language uh, curriculum that more than likely would, would send people to university in the United States, but also may go towards uh, the UK, possibly Australia, possibly New Zealand, possibly Canada. Um, and then you have the American schools which are like, you know, if you take a big American high school or just a big American school and you do your best to like uproot it from it from the states and transplant it uh, into whatever city you're looking. Uh, and I would say that the school I'm at now is is primarily of the latter. It's, it's very much an American curriculum school, um, an American style school, but our student population uh, on paper uh, is about 50, 50 or so percent American passport holders. Uh, but many of those kids have more than one passport. And I think the school at last I heard, we have 65 different passports represented wow. uh, in our student population. Uh, so, and so that's kind of representative of Singapore also, because it's, it's, you know, a port city and it's kind of a transportation and, and human resource hub. Um, so people, people come from all over and go all over. So it's a very, very international community. Yeah, this, I, I, I once had the opportunity to go to the American school in Tokyo and it is this- Oh, ASIJ? Yeah. Uh, and when, yes. you, when you get there, it's like, you know, it's in this little uh, suburb of Tokyo, uh, like a train mm -hmm. ride out and you, and you walk in and you're like, oh my God, I'm in an American school. <laughs> it just is this yes. weird, it's like you go through a, like a portal into America for, and then while you're walking around the building and then you walk out and you're back in Tokyo. It's just very strange experience great and ASIJ program. is actually where my professor uh, taught he that's uh, I think it was his last gig before becoming a professor um, uh, and my current one of my current bosses is going there next year to take over as the high school principal so yeah, again very small world <laughs> and they're all beautiful facilities I've never been in an yes. ugly international school they're gorgeous yeah I, I, I don't think they exist yeah, exactly. So I, I, Jay, I appreciate you talking about all that. I know it has nothing to do with music tech, but I'm also quite certain that listeners are just fascinated with the idea of teaching abroad. And the, the last question before we, we go into the music tech and your music program and how COVID has impacted is, you know, 
so it, there is there seems to be some movement you can move around um mm -hmm. and there are probably school you know international schools that everybody wants to go to or there are cities like i would imagine if, if you said where would you i'd want to teach in florence or, or paris um, you know, the, the kind of the romantic cities that Americans think of when, when they think of overseas. But uh, is, it, is it that kind of thing where there are like certain schools that are really hard to get a job at or, you know, because every international school teacher I've met moves around? Yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of the, the initial gig that everybody gets into, kind of the standard, standard issue or, or kind of expected tenure for someone at an international school is um, I, most people would say minimum one year past your contract. So like if you're there for three years, it kind of set, the it admin sees you as, you know, normal and, you know, relatively stable and a good investment, but right. really common number you'll hear from people is they'll do five years, kind of really get the feel of a place, um, you know, uh, experience the culture, explore the region. And then people, you know, I think very common among all of us in the international world is we have that travel bug and that, that desire to like check out the new thing. Uh, and so, you know, you'll very, very common to hear people three to five years and then a new place and three to five years and then a new place. And so there's, there's always the shuffle. Um, but you're right, there, there are certain schools where, where people will, will get hired and they just will not leave uh, because they are so well taken care of. The, the, the host country is so accommodating. The travel opportunities are good. The students are wonderful. Uh, I can... Uh, very humbly and luckily say that SAS is definitely one of them. We, I have colleagues that have been teaching at SAS for over 30 years. Wow. <laughs> they That's just, great. you know, it's, uh, and the ASIJ is another one, Hong Kong International, um, American School in London, um, JFK Berlin. There's, there's, I, I'm going to, I, I, I got to be careful listing because I'm probably going to miss one and someone's going right, to be offended. Right, right. Of course. Um, <laughs> dangerous. Um, anyway, anyway Jay, I, yeah. I, I really, I really appreciate you giving us a little peek into that world. So let's talk Absolutely. about now how, you know, you're in Singapore, um, you've been teaching there a, a bunch of years and all of a sudden COVID hit. So I'd love to hear first, what was your program? What is your program? What does it look like? And how has COVID impacted it? So, uh, pr so yeah, prior to COVID, um, uh, so I teach in the high school and there are three of us that teach music in the high school. I'm responsible for the bands uh, and I have three high school bands, the concert band, symphonic band, the wind ensemble, plus the jazz band. Uh, I have a colleague that uh, focuses on choir. She has three choirs. Um, I have a colleague that focuses on strings. He has three orchestras. He also teaches guitar. Uh, and then we have a very interesting hybrid program that we have for our very advanced seniors that I could probably spend an entire other podcast talking to you about called our advanced topic performing arts where we get our really high-end musicians high-end dancers high-end theater kids uh, and we kind of put them all together and it's a very kind of cool interdisciplinary thing but that's a separate topic right that's great. um the, the high school itself is about 1200 students um and in the music department uh we were I think around 450 between the three of us. Wow. So pr pretty sizable department. Um, and, S and in terms of context, I guess, for international schools, uh, SAS is by far the single largest international school in the world. We're just over 4,000 students on one campus. Wow. Um, the, the next biggest international school that I'm aware of, um, I think it's probably either uh, the American School of Dubai or possibly one of the campuses of Shanghai American School. 
And I believe they're sitting at around 2,500 on one campus. It just so you're much you larger, much larger. Yeah, we're, we're kind of an outlier in that yeah. sense. So, um, but yeah, just, I had really, really, uh, I mean, still have really, really good kids, but really, really good uh, program, high level of, um, of performance. We were highly involved in, uh, I mentioned AMI before, I think for your audience, the easiest thing to think about that is, you know, we don't have a state music educators conference, uh, but we have AMI, which is the Association for Music, uh, music in International Schools, and they would run international festivals, which is effectively the equivalent of our Allstate. So we would have students involved in that every year, um, involved in regional, regional festivals. Um, you know, we put on a musical every other year. I mean, just a very, you know, I think normal, big, active American curriculum music program. Um, and we were, we worked hard, the kids did really well. And, um, and then COVID hit. <laughs> and, and then COVID hit, which right. it hit us all. Um, and it was interesting, obviously, us being in Asia, uh, it, it did kind of get on our radar a little bit before, I think, most people in the States, uh, at least in terms of, uh, you know, we started seeing travel restrictions and we had uh, some faculty members that were, you know, traveling up to Shanghai for conferences. All of a sudden, when they came back, they had to go into quarantine. The first time we heard the word quarantine was like late January. Right. Um, and a long story short, you know, like I think probably the majority of your audience by March, um, we were, we had moved from restricted campus to completely online. You know, everybody had to go home and the country was in our, you know, our own version of a lockdown, which they called the circuit breaker because Singapore is very good at uh, marketing, I guess. Uh, yeah. So they wanted to, you know, they're like, we have to, we have to, the, the prime minister gave the whole speech on how they wanted to, you know, throw the circuit and make sure the virus really wasn't spreading that far. It was, it was much more effective than I'm doing now. Right. And so we were, I think basically, yeah, basically from um, early March until the end of the year, except for the very, very last day of, of the school year, we were off campus and entirely online. And just like most of our colleagues around the world, we were trying to figure out Zoom. We were comparing notes on, you know, how do you, how do you run an ensemble without an ensemble? Um, you know, we tried our hands at running some virtual bands and virtual choirs and virtual orchestras. Um, and that's really where we, we, we started out of desperation and survival, like looking for every sort of tech tool we possibly could find um, just to, you know, provide some sort of meaningful experience for our kids who are all trapped in their bedrooms, right? Right. Um, and um, I think, um, so I, I will say we, we, we limped through the rest of the year. Um, and it was, at that point, it was a combination of, you know, we, we had tried to do some online classes. We had tried to do some, like I said, some, some attempts at some virtual ensembles. Uh, I had some kids do some solo work as best as they could, but at that point we hadn't really, um, uh, I, I wasn't actually familiar with any of the Music First uh, 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 products available. So that was, that was something that came onto my um, radar later this, this year, this current school year. Um, but I think um, all of us just kind of remembered this universal feeling of we were working 10 times as hard for one tenth of the output. Yep. Um, and I, I remember, remember distinctly, I was uh, texting back and forth with my choir colleague when we were both trying to edit our very first, you know, virtual ensemble that we wanted to get ready for, you know, to, to share out with the seniors before they graduated. 
and it was like 3.30 in the morning uh, and it was like, you still awake? Yeah, I'm still awake. What, how many tracks do you have left? I can't, I've lost count at this uh, point. It was just, brutal. at least we had each other. It was, and it was, uh, you know, we, we, we took solace in knowing that, you know, it wasn't just us. It was everybody we knew was in some, some version of that situation. Um, and then, um, so in terms of Singapore itself, uh, travel restrictions are still pretty tight. Um, getting in and out of the country. So pretty much the entire school and everybody involved, every, like students, uh, parents and faculty, none of us uh, left, have left the country. We've all, we all stayed through the summer. Um, but by the fall, we were actually able to return to campus uh, for in-person instruction. That's great. However, the Singapore government is very, very detail oriented on everything. And they're very, very conservative in terms of risk taking. So uh, in terms of in-person music making, it was either z zero or incredibly, incredibly limited. Um, uh, I believe when we started the year, vocal music was outright banned. Um, and I believe wind music, we may have been allowed to have one person in a room. Oh boy. Because um, it was, again, they're they, they like, if you take a mask off, um, uh, and then shortly um, after the school year got going, that that eased a very very little bit to you know allowing uh, you know one vocal soloist with a music teacher in a classroom, or up to five I believe it was five wind players in a classroom with a teacher as long as the teacher was also wearing a mask. Um, and they, I mean, they had regulations all the way down to, you know, you can't have the mouthpieces off of the trumpet um, because it would, you know, potentially spread more droplets and oh all my. brass players have to have separate spit pads on the floor. And, you know, um, wow. very, I mean, so it wasn't like we were not interpreting the rules correctly. They were incredibly specific. Um, and that's a, that's a blessing. It's a, that's a blessing and a curse, Jay. It's like this. Yes. You know, because uh, we uh, over we, here, nobody, nobody. It's so hit and miss in the United States, where there are certain areas of the country, specifically in the Midwest, where I've talked to uh, band directors recently who are having full band rehearsals with kids in the room, and then yeah. you know, two states away, they haven't they haven't put uh, an instrument to their face in a year. So it's just bizarre. Yeah. And, and we have a, a similar experience, depending on who you talk to uh, in the AMI organization, like country to country, like my colleague uh, in Manila has not seen her students in over a year. Uh, I have another colleague that just started uh, as, as the new teacher at the uh, um, international or the intercultural school in Jakarta. And because he was new this year, he's actually never met his students in person. He's only oh seen my. them on Zoom. Oh God. And so, yeah, it's very, I mean, and you'll, yeah, it's, uh, so if so you can, always... <laughs> just yeah. press fast forward to today, like what, you know, yeah. um, you were at school today, what, what does your day look like now, almost a year later, or over a year later? So like I said, um, necessity is the mother of uh, survival or invention or, <laughs> yeah. uh, or I mean, everything. Um, and, and I think, um, I know, um, being the director of a, of a, you know, of a heavily performance focused ensemble focused program, you know, multiple concerts a year, um, uh, you know, high functioning jazz band that would perform off campus, just very, I mean, a, a very, you know, typical, we perform a lot. And that's, that's why, why kids uh, tend to come to the program. Um, suddenly having that, that core thing taken away um, caused a lot of, 
in addition to pain and, you know, um, just loss of sense of loss, um, we, we had to innovate and we had to just look at what was possible and um, just basically try new things. Uh, and that was kind of where um, uh, I kind of got tasked with, you know, let, let's see if we can find some tools that will that we can try out and see what happens and see how it goes. And so initially what the what the what the first thing that I was kind of tasked with trying to find by the department was some way for us to do uh, music theory and ear training right. um, in a more systematic and kind of uh, trackable way uh, since we had more time and it, and it had always been one of those things like we should eventually get to this but yeah maybe after the next concert and oh we'll get to them maybe and it was that con you know that constant cycle of yep eventually and we finally found ourselves with you know all kinds of time and no performances on the horizon. And that led us to um, Musician and Aurelia, which actually I ended up uh, initially contacting those companies directly for their, you know, kind of standalone. Right. And then, uh, then you know, long story short, somebody had, we, we'd looked into it and, and on their own, it ended up being fairly cost prohibitive given the number of students that we had. And so we dropped it temporarily, but then another colleague of mine from another school had mentioned that, oh, you know, you can do that through music first, um, much more you know, cost effectively given, you know, the, because it's, it's yep. not designed for a music theory class, it's designed for bands and choirs and orchestras. And so, so that's really where we started. And, and I kind of convinced our administration through uh, hook or by crook, I guess, to like, you know, music is by far the biggest pro or the most impacted by COVID because uh, our, our regular curricular classes were in person and yeah, they were distanced. And once they figured out how to run labs and, and figure out where the different PE classes were going to go, most of our other colleagues were able to, I'd say, 85 to 90 percent do their jobs. Meanwhile, myself and the choir director were like, yeah, teach band without instruments, really, and teach <laughs> choir without singing. <laughs> like, OK, well, yeah. we'll try some stuff. Um, and so that's where we initially had, had looked into um, Musician and Aurelia, which we, we did a trial and we really, really liked it. Um, and of course, it was um, there was a bit of technology fatigue with my colleagues of, you know, like another new thing to try. But like I said, we were kind of desperate. Uh, and then for me, as I uh, just looked more and kind of just watched more tutorial videos and kind of just dug around um, um, and just being in that headspace of, I guess I can try it. There's, there's, uh, you know, I've, I've got kids that are willing and, and I've got time um, and I have a supportive administration right now. Um, and so, yeah, we've, we've kind of just sampled not quite everything, but almost maybe every piece of tech that you guys offer. Uh, and it's been very, very interesting uh, and not always easy for sure. Mm. Um, but, you know, and I think of it right now, like I said, like um, I'm definitely guilty of, of probably, you know, tailoring my, my program too much in the performance vein because it's what I love to do. It's what the kids love to do. It's kind of what the community expects. And now with COVID, it's, it's forced us to completely recalibrate in the other direction. And so we're very, very tech focused right now. You know, we're doing music theory. We're doing our best to do composition projects. Um, some with kind of like the note flight actual um, notation. And I, um, I've been learning. Um, I really took a plunge with Soundtrap because that was way outside of my comfort zone for sure. I didn't really have a lot of experience other than my, uh, you know, poor attempts at virtual uh, ensemble editing. Uh, but, you know, digital audio workstations was was right. very new to me. And, you know, I figured, okay, what, try it. You know, what's the worst that could happen? 
Um, and surprisingly, um, you know, I had kids like I, I have a, 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 you know, back row clarinet player, um, wonderful kid, uh, doesn't practice all that much, if at all. Uh, but the first day we just tried, you know, like the first trial trial run with that program, I'd never seen him so excited. He like ran up to me at the end of class. He's like, I swear to you, I created art today. I'm going to show, but he's like, I don't want to show you yet. I'm going to show you next time because I need to go work on it some more. Uh, and I was like, that was um, a very fun moment. Right. Uh, and the other thing I realized is that a good number of my kids um, had way more experience on programs like this than I did. And so they've ended up teaching me um, as much or more than I've been teaching them. And it's kind of been this cool kind of collaborative. Um, yeah. And we'll try it. And they're all in that headspace of they understand why we've got to try new things um, and they're open to it. And I think the thing that has been the most um, positive, I guess, for me is, is as I'm looking ahead and, you know, really hopeful, and I don't know when, you know, we'll get back to normal and what normal will look like. But um, one thing I can say is that, you know, if they were to say, you know, you can go back to regular rehearsals starting on next Monday, um, I, I think my entire department would not go back to the way things were. There, there are things that we have added in with the tech that we're using that um, made us realize that, yeah, these were, these were gaps in our program and the music, music theory and ear training for sure. But this creative uh, aspect that, again, that's kind of where we're at now. And I, I, I'm so far from an expert on it. I can't believe I'm talking about it on a podcast, but uh, if for no other reason than to say, if, if I'm capable of trying this, anyone listening is certainly capable of trying it too. Yeah, well, um, uh, you, you said it, something really important there, Jay, and, and, uh, and I will say it from a, from a somewhat self-serving standpoint. I've spent literally the last 30 years trying to convince music teachers that, and I'm a, I'm a tuba player. I was a middle school band director my whole career. Um, but that music technology could enhance programs, not take over, mm -hmm. but enhance. And that the original, the reason I created music first, uh, to be clear, was not to have a perfect solution for COVID. Uh, <laughs> you know, this, I, I, I made it in 2012. The idea was to enhance any music program, but in, in your case, um, you know, a band program where the technology was the teacher outside of the classroom. Mm -hmm. um, because as a, I, you know, I've said this, I, I've done literally thousands of workshops and I've always said that when I was a middle school band director, the most important goal for me was that my concert, the, the performance was as good as it possibly could be. And that often I would say, I don't have time to do technology in the middle of a rehearsal. My saxophone still play an F natural at measure 37. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm not going to whip out a PowerPoint and say, let's learn about Robert W. <laughs> today. I, the kids can't play the music, right? So the yes. idea, what you just said, uh, whether you realized it or not, is what I've been trying to say for 30 years, meaning that... Um, now that you've had this experience, the kids have, have worked on other aspects of being a musician, the kind of the full 360 degree view of what it is to be a musician, that it's kind of cool. And that when, yeah. when, the, when the ensembles are back playing and we're all waving our batons again and happy, um, that this technology can enhance the program outside of the rehearsal time. Um, so thank you for saying that because it's, it's yeah. my whole life's uh, mission, to be honest. <laughs> Well, and it's, and it's just, it's one of those things where it's, 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 it's so many things. It's just painfully obvious in hindsight. Um, you know, like I, I can give another example of 
I, 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 I'll be vulnerable and admit something that, again, I cannot believe it took me this long to figure this out. But um, so I, I was an early adopter of, you know, having kids do video recordings of, you know, what, you know, for whatever, if it was a solo or if it was an excerpt or if it was an etude or if it was a section of concert music, like uh, it was one of my first years in Korea and I actually got in trouble with the, with the IT folks because I had, I think all of all, I was teaching middle school and high school. I had all five bands. This was a total rookie mistake. I had all five bands that had a, uh, a video project due on the same day at the uh -oh. same time. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> and this was like, you know, our, the infrastructure was not really in place. And I like, I managed to single handedly crash the school Wi Fi network by having, because all the kids, of course, waited until the last minute to upload the thing. Yep. And so, um, and, you know, I had this constant thing of, you know, like, you know, I would, I would give feedback and, you know, they, they, you know, it was, you know, it was obvious there was too many kids that weren't, you know, they would record the thing, but they wouldn't listen to it. Uh, and I would, you know, give them feedback and like, I'd write the feedback down or I'd record the feedback. And I, you know, they actually looked and they were mostly just looking at whatever, you know, the grade on the thing was. And it's only recently that, that I've realized that, you know, the only way I can get them to like guarantee that they're going to listen to it is I have to have them write about what they played before they turn it in. Um, and then, you know, I've been using, uh, um, uh, well, the school, our school requires us to use Schoology uh, for yep. all of our uh, like learning. So actually what I've been doing is I've been embedding all of our um, music first link assignments, like inside a Schoology assignment. So this, yep. the kids are always like directed or they actually rarely actually have to log into music first itself. It just kind of takes them around. Um, but, you know, I, I'd be commenting back and forth and it, the again it was like i couldn't believe it was like this the simple step of make sure that they they're you know commenting on their work first and then i comment back and then they comment back and then they and it's this dialogue that i've been trying to get going for years but i was missing that key first step of making them write first right and right, i'm like right, right. how how did i miss that and i kind of feel that that same way about um you know a lot of these these new kind of you know just jump in and try it projects that we've been doing um and again, it was it was exactly what you were talking about. There were so many times in meetings uh, where we'd be like, um, "Oh, this would be a really cool project for us to do. Um, I wonder when we can we can fit it in. Um, oh, this is really cool. Let's talk about this next time." But we have to figure out the the concert order and uh, make sure the stage is set and the programs are done. And it was just and like, "Oh, we have we have to make sure these auditions are ready and we have to get ready for the festival here. And jazz night's coming up and the spring show is coming and graduation's coming." And it was always like, you know, it was always on the agenda, but we never got to it. Um, so, and also I think it's funny when you think about, you know, um, that you've been saying this for so long and, you know, uh, it's, it's a testament to how stubborn band directors can be that it only took a global <laughs> pandemic to get people to, to like, you know, consider that, oh, maybe we should try this. Truer words so that, have know. never <laughs> been spoken, my friend. That's, <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, yeah, let me so, just ask if, if I can, cause we're, I've got a, we've got a, a few more minutes and I just want to get okay. to a couple more uh, quick questions. So what software are you using for music first? And are you, and you mentioned Schoology, I'd imagine, you know, but, but what specifically for Music First are you using with your kids? So, um, so we have obviously the, the Music First management, which like I said, because I am required by our tech office to use like any assignment that I give a kid, they have to have it on Schoology. And that's yep. like the kids' calendars and everything's are there. So basically I'm almost the only person in terms of my classes who's using the Music First interface. Um, and I just link everything over to Schoology because that's what I'm required to do. But uh, we're using uh, Musician and Aurelia, uh, which I love 
and I would just love more of, and just like, uh, it's, it's been so good for my kids and good for me to figure out what they know and what they don't know. Um, we have uh, been using practice first. Um, my colleague in choir has actually been using that more than I have just because of where we're currently at with different use, uh, units. Yep. So I'm actually expecting to use that one a little bit more in the next coming weeks here. Um, I've been using Soundtrap. Um, and that was, like I said, that one was a, uh, a big leap of faith for me, but um, basically just been trying some really basic um, uh, I mean, loosely termed composition product uh, project, maybe just creativity products in, or projects and, you know, just showing them basic, you know, song structure, pop song structure, having them play with loops. Uh, and, you know, some of them are, you know, just going with the bare minimum and just trying, you know, like to get a beat going and a baseline going and some sort of melodic element. And then the big surprise for me is I had kids that were like, you know, can I dot, 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 like, and they're pulling things off of YouTube. They're pulling, you know, uh, MIDI tracks off of Spotify. They're like taking things and remixing them. And I'm like, can you show me how to do that? Cause that's cool. <laughs> how, did you, how, did, how did you do that? Um, and the way I pitched it to them, cause again, um, I told them I was new to it, but they all knew GarageBand as uh, they were familiar with, you know, everyone knows that program. And so I just described uh, Soundtrap. It's like, imagine Gar GarageBand, but it functions kind of like Google Docs. And so you can like invite a friend in and you can uh, even if you're not in the same room. And so they, we were obviously all in the same room, but then they started like video chatting each other from across the room yeah. and, um, and they were playing around, right? They were, they were kind of messing with each other's compositions at first, but then they, a couple of them really kind of got into it and they were like, hey, can we submit our project uh, as, a, as a team? Um, and my rule for this entire experience was I was saying yes to everything. I was like, yes, sure, try it, let's see what happens. Um, and that was really, really interesting. Uh, and then the one that I was honestly the most excited about that I that I'm like just waiting to get to the point where I can really use it uh, is Sight Reading Factory. Oh yeah, very because, cool. Like I'm like I was, and the, there were you know like two other huge nerds in the room, and I'm like, guys, it's an algorithm that keeps creating music, and you can never run out of new music to sight read. And they're like, okay, Mr. Langren, good for you. That's that's great. And there's like you know the two jazzers in the background that are like, yes, let's do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, but uh, you know, I had I had them try it out, but we're so limited in our ability to play live. Um, yep. And um, but it is it is going to be a, a thing that I'm going to incorporate going forward for sure. But right now, given the restrictions, um, I'm not. That's that's just a, a needle I haven't threaded yet. So. All right. So I have two um, two, two more questions for you, Jay, and then uh, and then I'll let you go. And the first one is sure, sure. what what advice would you give, not, not international school-based, but just general music teacher-based, uh, what advice would you give to other band directors, choir directors, who, or orchestra director, or any music teacher who's looking to get into music technology? What, you know, what, 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 what advice would you give? Um, well, I, I think it would just be echoing, the, you know, our, our entire conversation in kind of two lines. Um, it, one would be if you think you don't understand the technology, um, one of your kids can help you, guaranteed, if not half of your kids. Yep. Um, uh, and the other one would be, I would always have said, oh, I don't have time. Um, now you could easily say uh, you have nothing but time for, depending <laughs> on your program, but um, um, it's the best, I think it's the best time that I've spent. Um, and 
like I said, I'm not like going forward. Normally, we won't be this tech heavy because we're we're like eighty percent tech right now, which is, you know, it's it's not actually a band. It's kind of a it's a it's an ensemble that's doing a lot of creative solo work and and yep. composition and music theory. Um, but seeing, uh, seeing what I was missing, um, I like I guess I could have two reactions to it. I could feel bad. Uh, that I had been not doing all of these things for so many years, um, but I'm, I'm more just excited of how I can balance all of these new things in with all of the things that I still love to do with bands. Awesome. Um, and I think, like you said, they're gonna, they're gonna, everything's gonna make everything else better because the music theory is gonna become more relevant and the ear training uh, is gonna become way more applicable when they get back to being able to play together again. Yep. Um, the composition and creative projects are hopefully going to have them see patterns and forms in the, in the pieces that they're playing. Um, and well, like I said, sight reading factory, I'm just nerding out on because that's just cool. <laughs> so uh, my last question is always the magic wand question, Jay. And so you've been using mm. music first for a little while now. And the magic wand is if you can wave a magic wand and make music first, do something that it doesn't currently do um, on any of the software or anything, what, what would it be? You know, I, I'm I'm really hesitant to like uh, to bash any sort of technology because honestly, like it's effectively saved my entire job for the last year. So um, no, so but I, 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 I we love to... hearing the feedback. We we that that you know I wouldn't ask the question if I didn't want like what what could we do to make it better? Um, the uh, I guess uh, it, it's just, it's probably because I'm the only one that's living in the interface and I've, um, uh, I'm still finding the, it's very granular, the, the teacher side of the interface for the music first itself is still just a little bit, it's not super intuitive. Okay. Um, uh, and so like the, but I think that's just, the, like I said, I, I, I can see why it's doing it because it's one piece of technology or one piece of software talking to another piece of software and they have to kind of get all on the same page. Yep, um, like herding cats. <laughs> yes, uh, and so um, it would be nice if it was, if, you know, creating an assignment, um, like, it, like in, and again, to like, it's not, it's school, it's not Schoology's, um, I was gonna say fault, but you know, in Schoology to create an assignment, it's one, one click, you put the description, it's in, it's there. Uh, here, because we're we've got like the management software communicating with the uh, the um, I guess so you, I don't know if you would call it the plugin software. Yep. Um, yep. Having to set up the the one task on one and then uh, set up the parameters of the task on another is a little bit clunky. Okay. Um, but like I said, I'm 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 understanding why that's there, and I don't. Once I figured it out, it doesn't it didn't really bother me. But it took me a bit to figure it out, and that's been the hardest thing for me to teach my colleagues how to use the use the platform. Right. I was like, okay, so you go here, and then once this is set up, then you go over here, and then you go here, and then this is the link you send the kids. And we, of course, have that third layer of we can't have the kids use Music First itself because our school requires Schoology. So if, if we didn't have that, it would be a little bit easier, right? But cool. I mean, that's like I said, it's a nitpick. And I, 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 I'm, no, I appreciate I'm, that because it, it, to even say it. No, no, we the reason I ask is that one of the beauties of having an online platform rather than a CD-ROM is that we can go and, and look at it um, and, and we're always improving the product, always making it better based on teachers' um, feedback. For example, the, the we just added the video feature in Practice First because oh, about yeah, 10,000 teachers asked us for it. So we said, <laughs> all right, let's do it. 
Yeah, that, that, I haven't got a chance to use that, but my, my, my colleague in choir, I think was using it either, was going to, I think she's about to, she was, again, we're, cause we're, we have this whole, whole other layer of, you know, whenever we want kids to, to play their instruments or sing, we have identified, one of my challenges was find as many spaces as possible in the entire fine arts wing. And like, I have found 32 spaces and so we were like, we're using broom closets and, you know, storage <laughs> rooms and the makeup room. And we've got kids in the orchestra pit, even though it's not open. <laughs> right. Um, but we have, we have this, we have this negotiated agreement with our middle school colleagues that, you know, we have them for a couple days a week and then they have them for a couple days a week. So we're like alternating between, oh, we can play today. Oh, we can't play today. Oh, we can play today. You know, and so everything's just moving slowly, but you know, <laughs> what isn't? That's that's right. So Jay, I, I just thank you so much for uh, for sharing uh, the the whole international school thing and how music technology has helped your program and, and kind of got you through this. I, I hope to meet you at an ME concert, uh, you know, conference in the in the near future. It's been a while since I've been at one, but um, but thank you so much, and uh, and hopefully we'll we'll see each other in real life soon. That will be fantastic. Looking forward to it, and thank you so much for the invite. My, my pleasure. Take care, Jay. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.